Hello, this is Pastor Trent. I want to welcome you to the Mountain Home Church, the Nazarene Sermon Podcast. We are thrilled that you are tuning in to hear sermons from our ministries here at our church. It is our hope that the Spirit of Christ would be present with you as you listen today. I do want to take just a moment to invite you to reach out and connect with us. On our website, we have a way for you to do just that. You can visit www.mhnazarene.org slash connect and fill out a very brief form. There's a spot to leave contact info, ask questions, and even to request prayer. Also, be sure to indicate that you listen to us through our SoundCloud podcast to let us know where you're listening. May the Lord be with you this day. Grace and peace to you. Uh, Work with me, but we are going to get through what God has to share with us. Um, how many of you have children and just they just cannot wait to open those presents? Right? Do, you, do you have those little peekers? You know what I'm talking about. They grab the packages and they pick it up and they shake it. You know, this is before Christmas, right? And then they take the end and they uh, kind of lift up that tape a little bit and lift up the flap so they can wiggle in and see perhaps if they can see what's in it, and then they put it back and they stick it under the tree. Shame on them. Or do you have the ones where they hold it just a little bit longer, as slow as they can, because they're just embracing it, maybe, and they're just looking at it, and they're guessing it. Well, I don't know. It looks like a shoebox size, and you know, and they're very slow at opening it, and then the rest of your family's like, come on, just get to it. You know, I don't know if they are doing that to irritate the others, or they truly want to savor the moment, or they just can't wait any longer to get to that. Now, I'm a running ahead type of person. I don't do well waiting. And Kevin tells me, He can't ever surprise me because I want to know everything, right? He can't get ahead of me to surprise me because I just have to, I've got it all planned out. It's on the calendar, I know. Um, But I have learned more to slow down over the years and to be present, completely present in the moments to savor it. But there are times when it is really, really hard. So are you a waiting type of person or are you a running ahead type of person? Um, Most parents would agree that their children don't want to wait for anything. The last thing kids want to hear their mom say is, not now, right? It can prompt anger and frustration and even hopelessness. This disease of waiting follows most of us even into our adulthoods. We may not respond with the same emotional outburst as children, unless maybe some of you do, I don't know. But most of us still hate waiting for what we want. And our modern society, it just makes it completely worse. We want everything done quickly. And new devices are constantly springing up to meet those demands and encourage our impatience. We're not used to waiting. And the more technology caters to our immediate desires, the less we feel willing to wait. Such is our dilemma as Christians. 
While society makes every attempt to make our life easier and faster, God works on a very different timetable. In his mind, nothing is wrong with waiting. In fact, waiting can actually be a positive good that he often uses to make us more like his son. Something actually happens while nothing is happening. I'll say that again. Something actually happens while nothing is happening. God uses waiting to change us. We might not be good at the waiting part, and in this season of Advent, which is honestly only four weeks, it's not that long, we wait and we anticipate for Christmas Day, the celebration of the birth of a baby, as we also prepare for his second coming. We've not waited well (laughs) to celebrate Christmas, for it has been eaten up by so many other things in this world that we've lost the greatest gift ever given to us, and that's the gift of time. Time to wait and be present in the moment of remembering all that has been and yet is still to come. We've hurried ourselves into such a frenzy of getting things done that we miss what is happening and recognizing the things and people right in front of us. And I hope that if you are feeling alone today or this season and perhaps unrecognized, that you will find hope and that you are not alone. God sees you. We have uh, the candle lit each week. Uh, The hope that is to be held onto, the joy in the midst of turmoil, finding and bringing peace where it is not found. And this week we look at love, the greatest gift of all. After all, isn't it out of this love that Jesus left heaven entered our world as a baby, bringing light into darkness. I like love actually being the last week. It sums everything up into this pretty package, a gift from the previous week before for hope and peace and joy and love. We need these reminders, especially during these difficult days. And so we wait. Now, Luke, our author this morning, has a special pre-Christmas gift for us if we slow down enough and look at what is unnoticed. We will be reading out of Luke chapter 1, starting in 46 to 55. So out of the reverence for the reading of the word, if you are able, will you please stand? Luke chapter 1, verse 45. Mary said, With all my heart I glorify the Lord, and the depths of who I am I rejoice in God my Savior. He has looked with favor on the low status of his servant. Look, from now on everyone will consider me highly favored, because the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. He shows mercy to everyone from one generation to the next who honors him as God. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered those with arrogant thoughts and proud inclinations. He has pulled the powerful down from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled 
the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty-handed. He has come to the aid of his servant Israel, remembering his mercy. Just as he promised to our ancestors, to Abraham, and to Abraham's descendants forever. This is the word of God given to us, the people of God. We say, thanks be to God, and you may be seated. Some of you might be thinking this. This is our pre-Christmas gift. Really? (laughs) This is not a typical song of Christmas. Right? Perhaps not. But it is a love song to our God, Emmanuel, that gives us connection and community, a song that takes away isolation and helps us to see and understand that we, too, are part of a much bigger plan than what we are experiencing today. The waiting in the nothing is what will change us and what has changed others previously. The waiting is waiting to see God's love at work. So as we wait just one more week to sing those Christmas songs and perhaps stress about the balancing of work and home and trying to get to our destinations and we're at odds of creating this picture of perfect holiday, or perhaps you're in this season right now of of loss and grief, maybe some doubt, you're feeling unnoticed, let us hear from the voices that were completely unexpected and perhaps even undesired in their time of waiting. I'm going to recap a little bit of chapter one to start with, where Zechariah, he is a priest within the temple when God's angel appears to him. The angel Gabriel comes and he shares a prophecy, an answer to Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth's prayer. Your wife is pregnant. Zechariah should have known better than to disregard and question an angel. But to some credit for him, all right, they were typically above the age of childbearing years. And they had waited a really long time to bring a child into the world. Why would it happen now? Okay, Zechariah, but it was an angel that was speaking to you, right? You know, but due to his lack of belief, he was silenced and unable to speak until the birth of his baby. Gabriel uh, foretells Zechariah the miracle and the work that his son will do for the kingdom of God. Big-time gift from God here, guys, for we know his son as John the Baptist. Now, Zechariah was unable to share this news with anyone because being silenced and, and mute, but he was able to sit back, and he was able to watch and see it unfold to come to tuition. He'll see the miracle unfold right before his eyes. So he waits. And his wife, Elizabeth, as a two-part realization and shock moment, I think, when this happens, this is the Lord's doing. He has shown his favor to me by removing my disgrace among other people. Then later, she's really astonished. Why? (laughs) Why is this happening to me? Why do I have this honor that the Lord should come to me? But what does Zachariah's silence also bring? 
It brings light into a one-sided conversation and the voices to, with two other women, Elizabeth and Mary. Their voices may not have been heard if John had not written them down. They're not recorded, but here in this uh, particular book. But it is here, excuse me, in Luke. It is here in Luke that we have the opportunity to hear from the women whose babies will not only bring salvation and fulfill the promise of the future, but will also be the messenger of the future king. Praise be to God. These voices we hear in this passage totally begins the change of what God intends to bring to all humanity. You see, what was expected, the neat and tidy grandeur of wealth, along with status and power of hierarchies, would not prevail. What had become the normal brokenness of society would be turned completely upside down. Not only were the words of a priest, Zachariah, silenced, but it opened up for Elizabeth and Mary to be heard. The women, the marginalized, young, poor, unwed, older, barren mother, complete opposite of what others was to be expecting, became God's pretty important people of bringing God's love. And God's love came in by the most unexpected people. Mary, the young, humble peasant girl who was yet to be married, visited by the angel Gabriel as well, has been told, don't be afraid, Mary. God is honoring you. You will conceive and give birth to a son and name him Jesus. He will be great and he will be called the son of the most high. He will rule over Jacob's house and there will be no end to his kingdom. <laughs> Mary just kind of rolled with it. She accepted the news in an ever so faith-like response. I am the Lord's servant. Let it be. The God who has seen her as being faithful and ever-present has chosen her. The girl where nothing really exciting happens in life. The girl who feels her life is dragging day in and day out. The peasant girl from an unknown named town. After Mary had been visited by Gabriel, what did she do? Where did she go? She went straight to her cousin Elizabeth where another miraculous miracle, right, was taking place. Now, we don't really, we don't know what Mary told her parents or what exactly took place after she heard this news. I think she might have had kind of a, a double, you know, sense of feeling. But I would imagine that kind of news from an angel like Zachariah of for the non less of that, would be a bit overwhelming and a bit shocking. I think we may miss just how crucial it was that Mary chose to visit Elizabeth. In the middle of troubling and overwhelming, unexpected and frightening news, she went to perhaps what may have been the only person that would have affirmed 
and confirmed what God was doing in Mary's life. She needed confirmation as to what Gabriel said to her. Remembering Elizabeth's prayer after many, many years has been answered according to him. And Mary being told this and what was to take place with herself, by all means would want someone to be able to connect with her. So she greets Elizabeth first thing when she arrives. But before she can even share her news with her cousin, the baby inside of Elizabeth leaps. And if you imagine as Mary and Elizabeth draw near to each other, with them in their wombs, the two sons who represent the old covenant and the new covenant, the promises and the fulfillment, the prophet and the Lord, leap and praise for joy. It is here where the Holy Spirit is felt, literally. <laughs> and Mary ends up in Elizabeth's home for the next three months. Oh, to know what conversations took place behind those doors. That would be amazing. But I believe that something is happening while nothing else seems to be happening in that waiting as her environment with her cousin is, is full of belief rather than doubt or dismay. I believe it is in this downtime or, or time away that she is able to embrace what God is doing as she comes to the realization of what has taken place and what really all this means. How many of us miss the promise of God, the move of God, the plan of God, because we continue to not wait and inhabit an atmosphere of doubt and worry, disbelief that rubs off on us and steals our faith. Did you notice, though? Mary didn't panic. She took and found time to be in the moment, and she came out singing a song of praise. She declares the power of God through a song, this is, to me, this is what comes to my mind. Strange thinking here. It's like from a carnival show, right? Where you see the unexpected carnies come out with their unique abilities and talents and gifts. And in this time, we see the not familiar sights and sounds of old and young coming together, both pregnant by miracles, an angel visiting, silencing the powerful to only bring a voice of the marginalized proclaiming one of the most important prophetic words in Scripture as a song. And it's titled, Magnificent. When we think of love songs, we generally think of something sappy or, or sentimental, right? But this is a power song. This song of Mary's comes from deep within her, the pounding of her heart kind of song, expressing her gratefulness of being noticed and seen. With all my heart, I glorify the Lord in the depths of who I am. I rejoice in God, my Savior. I believe one of the most misused weapons in our spiritual arsenal is praise that is birthed out profound pain. We seem to only want to praise when life is as we want it to be, right? when all the bills are paid and when everyone is healthy, when everyone is behaving, 
when all the ducks are in a row. And yet, in what should have probably been a panic-filled moment, Mary praises God. She does more than just offhandedly say God works everything together for our good while secretly being angry or disappointed. She opens her mouth in the middle of her trouble and she praises God. She not only accepts what God is trying to do, she praises God for what he says he will do. Mary sings a song that invites us beyond our real, realistic expectations. She herself seems amazed at what has happened as her opening words indicate. My soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior for he has looked with favor in the lowliness of his servant. And what does the rest of her song announce? the implications of an upside-down world that God has inaugurated. He has scattered the proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and set the rich away empty. Mary proclaims the promised topsy-turvy future of God as an already accomplished fact. Mary sees hope answered. She believes God is a God of promise, and so she sings from her heart a song of praise. This song, the Magnificent, resonates with the prayer of Hannah back in 1 Samuel in the Old Testament. Hannah, too, looked forward to a just king many, many years before Mary because Yahweh, she says, raises up the poor from the dust he lifts the needy from the ash heap. This is not a new thought of desiring the marginalized to be noticed and accepted. We need the reminder today of our God. Remember us. Lord, see us where we are at right now and our turmoil and the things that we struggle with, the heartache that we experience. Do we live in a crazy, bizarre world or what? Are all these things coincidences? No, <laughs> I believe not. But somewhere, sometimes we lose the reminders of what was and we get all caught up in the what nots, right? We forget that God sees. And God sees way more of who you are than perhaps ourselves. God will accept everyone as they are. The quiet and isolated ones, the young and the old, the ones who have no voice, those who have lost everything. He sees you. And he sent his son for this very reason. He sees us in the mist, but it is in the waiting part where we see growth and acceptance. Have the worship team begin to come forward. A few years ago, there was a, a movie, and I'm sure you, most of you have probably seen it, called The Greatest Showman came out, right? It's about a man named Phineas Barnum who found himself unsatisfied with what he had and wanted to create more. And in the making of this, he created Barnum Circus. 
And he recruited those who were on the margin of society, the nomads, most of who felt ashamed of their outward appearance. But few wanted to take the time to see and recognize their value. Barnum made some mistakes and, and poor choices and disappointments, which he found himself on the verge of losing almost everything that he had built up and that was good. And as the musical number finishes off, we see the transformation from people who once hid in the shadows to confident performers filling the stand with applauding crowds. The family that has been created through the circus comes back together and reconciles. The greatest gift of waiting is seeing God's love come to fulfillment. The development of hope, peace, joy, and love can take time. But as God gave Elizabeth and Mary community and connection with each other, as he helped them, we too can understand we are a part of something much bigger than ourselves. It is not a passive word, this word waiting now, okay? We can begin by drawing ourselves closer to him, being filled with the hope of what is to come and waiting to see God's love at work as we celebrate alongside Mary in her song. Thanks for joining us today on the Mountain Home Church the Nazarene podcast. Don't forget to visit us at mhnazarene.org connect if you'd like to connect with us and have a great week.